There's a story in the Bible about Gideon, and uh, he had to fight a bunch of people one time, and he only had 300 troops. He was going up against about 4,000 of the enemy. All he had, they had a uh, torch and a, a jar, and they took the jar off of the torches, and they just shouted, and the enemy ran. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. Stand up. Come on. Now listen, we are small in number today. A lot of our people are sick. Um, the Johnson family is sick. They're not here today. There are others that are sick. But we're here, even though we're small in number. Now I want you to yell. I want you to yell. Praise the Lord at the top of your voice. Ready? Go. Amen. That's right. Now, sit down. And uh, like I said, I'm thankful that you're here. It's so easy for us if we feel under the weather in the least little bit to assume that we have COVID and not come, and you didn't. So I thank you for that. But just keep your head up. It's uh, The church is fine. We're just struggling through this time like everybody else. I want to show you a painting. I'm going to have it projected up on here, and we might have to dim the lights a little bit when we do. I don't know how this is going to work, but go ahead and put that painting up for me if you would, okay? I'll dim the lights a little bit. Tell me what you see that catches your eye. What's unusual about that painting or what stands out? Anybody? I know it's hard to see, but do your best, okay? All right, the water's going halfway back up. It is, it's, a, it's a different painting. There's one little t- detail in there. You can't see it. All right, let's go closer with that. What's the... Yeah, it's a dove in a, on a nest in the cleft of the rock. Can we go closer? Do you have another one after the uh, seer sitting there? Now go back to the first one. She's back. She is in that painting. You can hardly see her. She's toward the bottom between, right down there, right between those waterfalls. All right. Now, the name of that painting is Peace in the Midst of the Storm. Now, there that dove sits in the middle of that. And as I looked at that painting, I thought to myself, how in the world did the dove ever get in there to start with? But she did. And there she sits in the middle of this thing with all this water roaring around her. And she is just perfectly at peace just sitting there. Now, how would you like to have that kind of peace? How would you like to have that kind of peace, you know? When everything's falling around you, when the storm is closing in, when things are at their worst, and there you sit, just as peaceful as can be, sitting on the nest, just going through it. I believe that God wants every one of us as believers to have that kind of peace. I think that's taught in Scripture. I don't have the time to take you through all those verses, but there are a lot of verses on peace. But we're not talking about just any kind of peace or happiness. We're talking about the peace of God. And as we go through this today, you're going to see that that is quite different. Um, Just from generally speaking on uh, the subject of peace, this is something that's totally different. But here's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be discussing that, the peace of God. And we're going to be discussing a little bit about how do we get it, how do we acquire that. And to be looking and discussing some different things pertaining to that. So you're going to have to pay close attention and just bear with me today. I want to take you to the text here in a minute. But before I do, I want to kind of set the stage for where this text is in in relation to the life of Christ. This is a time when Jesus is talking to the disciples right after the Lord's Supper. 
This is the last night that he was with them. You know the story. Within a few hours from what he is saying here in this text, within a few hours, he's going to be taken captive and imprisoned. And then all night long they go through these mock trials that they send him through. And sometime the next day they crucify him. Now, this, that's what makes this so important because these are the last words that he's going to be talking or saying to these men. Now, he's already talked to them about the crucifixion and the resurrection and they still aren't quite sure what's happening. This is a very dark time for them. Um, they know that something's up and he's, he's, de- he's not depressed, but he's saddened. He's anxious. A lot of things going on and they are full of fear. They're full of grief, and they're beginning to feel alone. And it's in that setting now that he makes these statements. Here's what I want you to see in John 16. We're going to be looking at several verses here, but verses 20 through 22. I want to read this for you. He says, Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that the child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Now we're going to jump, drop down to verse 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And just a short time later, within a couple of hours probably, he is taken prisoner. And everybody, the lost world, the the Jews and everybody else began to celebrate, especially after the crucifixion, high-fiving and celebrating because they thought they'd put an end to it. And Satan he was as equally as overjoyed over this, but that was not the end of the story. Now, and this is the same today. Now, follow with me, because the, the lost world is going to rejoice over things that you and I grieve over, you and I are anxious about, you and I are fearful of. For example, they're going to rejoice when laws are passed that make abortion easy. Well, you and I listen to that, and we hear that, and it just drives us crazy. But they're going to rejoice over it. The unbelieving world is going to rejoice, or did rejoice, when gay marriage was legalized, even though the Bible talks about this. But it didn't matter. They rejoiced over the fact that that was, had become now part of, of our culture. The unbelieving world um, rejoices whenever they're allowed to mock believers, and they do this quite often. They are overjoyed when they attack religion and religious freedoms, which you see more and more of today, and it's going to get worse, but that just makes them overjoyed. Whenever they can somehow minimize your rights as a parent and put the government or the schools in charge of decisions that are made instead of you as a parent, they are happy about that. Things like that. And it's almost as if we as a culture in this country have failed to see something or learn something very important. And that is that in spite of all of our advances, we have failed to learn the truth that evil and misery go hand in hand. The more evil we endure or accept as a culture or openly embrace, then the more miserable we become as people. 
And we just haven't figured that out yet. We can't figure out why things are so miserable in the world right now, but this is part of it. The question then becomes, how do we as believers live in this? How do we live in this culture and this climate and things that are going on? How do we overcome this? How do we experience God's peace in the middle of this? So that's what I want to talk about today in the next few minutes. And I'm going to share with you four things that I just want to point out to you that you need to remember. This is in relation to this subject of God's peace in the middle of a storm. Because what we are experiencing in this world is a storm. And it will become more and more severe as time goes on. You can't rely on government to fix it. You can't rely on the culture to fix it. So it's going to get worse. But I want you to understand what God says to you and me in the promise of peace that is ours. Four things that I want you to remember. So let's jump in here. Here's the first one. Number one, okay? God's peace does not mean an absence of suffering. God's peace does not mean that there's going to be an absence of suffering. We sometimes think that because we think, okay, if God is going to give me peace, then I'm not going to suffer or go through hard times. And um, we think that somehow our peace is dependent upon the circumstances going on in our lives right at that point in time. But the peace that we're talking about, the peace that Jesus was talking about with the disciples, the things that he was saying to them is quite different. And this is something that does not depend on the circumstances. Let me take you back now and look at some of the phrases out of that passage we just read, okay? John 16, I want you to go back with me to verse 33 and just look at this phrase. He says, in this world you will have trouble. You're going to have it. You're going to have trials. You're going to have times of misery, times of grief, times of pain and suffering. You're going to have it. So how can you talk to me about peace in the same breath and tell me this? Because you and I need to understand that when God talks about a peace, he's talking about something from deep within you that comes and is yours to experience regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of what's going on in the world. Here's another verse. Jump back with me to verse 22 and look at this one. This is, a, this is kind of unusual. He tells the disciples, now is your time of grief. Now's your time of grief. It's almost like, okay, this is your appointed time. You have an appointment with misery, and here it is. You see, I think there's something to this that we need to understand. It's something that we need to put in the back of our minds. That walking with the Lord and living the Christian life and experiencing God's love and God's peace, as we're talking about here today, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems. And when God says to these men, he says, this is your time to grieve. Uh, there are go- there's going to be times in our lives where it's our time to grieve. It's our time to suffer. It's our time to cry. It's just part of life. And um, you and I need to understand that nobody is immune to that. And sometimes we put our finger up at God and we begin to question God's love for us when things like that happen. When we lose loved ones, when we lose a job, when we our health you know, go south on us and things aren't working out or whatever the case may be. A marriage fails. Kids don't turn out the way you want them to. I mean, we begin to question, okay, God, I, I love you and I, I believe in you and I, you know, I, I do all the things that I'm supposed to do and yet things didn't work out. And we go through those times. 
God says, and you need to understand, because this is what he's telling these men, the last hours of his life with them, guys, you're going to suffer. He said, you're going to go through things that you don't know that you can even endure. But I want you to understand that that's part of the plan. I want you to understand that it's coming. And don't think that I don't love you or that I've abandoned you because I haven't. So this is the first thing you and I need to understand. That because when we talk about the peace of God, we are not talking about everything in life turning out, therefore you have peace. And that brings me to the second one that I want you to understand. And that is the second point here. That God's peace is not found in the usual ways. God's peace is not found in the usual ways. For example, in our minds we think, okay, if I'm going to have peace, because see, when we hear that, we're thinking of calmness and not worrying and, and having joy and, and, and being at peace and rest. And so we think, well, okay, that means then that I'm not going to be in danger. Well, that's kind of unusual, really, because when you think about it, he tells these guys, I'm giving you this peace, and yet you're getting ready to go through the worst time of your life. So it has nothing to do with the usual way that we think you're going to find peace. You can be right in the middle of a dangerous situation and still be at peace. It doesn't mean that you're going to play it safe and not take risks. That's the usual way. We think to ourselves, well, I won't take any risks in life. I'll just play it safe. I'll just sit on the sidelines and never do anything that would put me or my family at risk. Well, that's not what God is talking about. I won't make waves. We see we won't do anything to get anybody upset at us. So we don't speak up, we don't say things, we don't stand up for righteousness, we just sort of be quiet and not do anything, and we think, okay, I will continue to have peace if I don't make any waves and get anybody mad at me. That's the usual way. We say, well, if i got good health, then I'll be at peace. See, that's the usual way of thinking. If I have lots of money, I mean, who was, you know, tell me, are you less worried when you got a, a lot of money in your bank or when you don't know how you're going to pay the next bill, see? And so we think, well, if we got a lot of money, then we'll be at peace. But you and I know that there are a lot of wealthy people in the world whose life is in turmoil. We'll just go along with the world and act like they do and don't stick out and don't be different. And then they'll leave us alone and we'll have peace. And in reality, none of that is true. Because when God talks about a peace, he's talking about a peace right in the middle of all this. With all of this mess going on, when your life is in danger, when you're out there on a limb, he says you're going to have peace then. See, this is the thing that we are promised as believers. God's peace is only found in Christ. You need to understand that. The peace that I'm talking about, the peace that the Bible talks about, is not available to the world. Now, if they come to Christ, it's theirs, but outside of that, they cannot experience this. The Bible refers to this as a peace that passes all understanding. In verse 33, let's go back to that verse a minute in in here in John 16. (laughs) He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now, notice what the verse is saying. He said, you're going to have peace, but here's where you find it. It's going to be in me. 
You see, outside of that, you're not going to find it. The world will just devour you. But in me, you're going to be at peace even in the middle of all this. And we've talked at length in previous sermons about what it means to be in him. That's a statement that is telling you that you are in a position in Christ by faith that all of the things that God has promised you, the things that he has said about you are yours. It's like being in the cleft of that rock up there, the dove. And all of the things that he said is true are true. Let me read you these verses. In 1 John chapter 5, in verses 4 through 5, listen to what it says. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, look at the verse. Everybody that is born of God overcomes the world. We're going to talk about what that means in a minute, but I just want you to see this. He said, this is the victory that has overcome the world, your faith. And when he says even our faith, he means especially or in particular our faith. The one, the, and notice that he says, who is it that has overcome the world? The only one, only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is something that is a promise to you as a believer, this peace. Now, what does it mean to overcome? Because this is important. The disciples were going to go through a horrendous time in their life, so overcoming didn't mean that the problem went away. They would struggle throughout their lives. Paul talked about how that he was beaten and put in prison and stoned and and all of these things, you know. So overcoming wasn't dodging these things. So what does it mean to overcome? Well, it means, I think, I'm just putting words out here, things that I would use to explain it. It means to stand strong when you're in the middle of it, for one thing. It means that you don't give up and succumb to the problem or the temptation, whatever it may be, in the middle of it. It means that you know that you're going to win in the end, that whatever's going on isn't going to defeat you. So I approach this, this problem that's in my life, whatever it may be, and I overcome it not by getting rid of the problem because the problem may be impossible to get rid of, but I overcome it because of what I know to be true inside. And I know to be true inside that my God is there. I'm like the dove there in the cleft of that rock. He has surrounded me. He's protecting me. And whatever comes through to me, whatever is allowed to touch me, is only because God has approved it. I can live with that because I trust him. And I know that whatever happens and whatever I lose in this life, whatever is taken from me, whatever freedoms or liberties or health or whatever, I know that in the end I'm going to win anyway. See, I know. Because this is what God has told me. He says that I have already overcome the world. And because I have overcome the world, then I can rest. I can be at peace. And that peace is not because the bad things go away. That peace is not found in the usual ways. It's my faith. 
And you see, my faith overcomes godless laws that are passed by foolish people who don't know any better. My faith overcomes crooked politicians on both sides of the political aisles. My faith can overcome me being rejected by family or people that I love because of what I believe. My faith overcomes fear, persecution, losing freedoms, the world changing around me. My faith overcomes grief. Not that I don't grieve, but I don't grieve like the unbelieving world. I'm told that in Scripture. My faith can overcome addictions and bad habits, and you go on down the list, everything you can think of. And your faith in Christ overcomes that. Because you know what's going on, you know who's in control, and you know who wins in the end. And I know the promises that he has made to me. I know, for example, my identity in Christ. No matter what happens, I know that God has forgiven me. No matter what happens in this life, I know that I am redeemed. I am justified. I am clean in his sight. I have peace with God. All of these things that I know to be true give me peace in the middle of the storm because I'm in him. You see, I know because I'm in him what the future holds for me. I know because I'm in him what my inheritance is going to be. So that whatever I lose or don't have in this life, it doesn't matter because I know what God's going to give me in the future. John 16, verse 33. I want, you to show, I want to show you this portion of the verse. There that night he tells them, he says, Take heart, I have overcome the world. <clears throat> I have overcome the world. <laughs> Michael, what do you mean? They're getting ready to crucify you. How have you overcome the world? He's telling them, he said, look, what is going to happen is nothing because I've already won. They think they have got me. They think that by killing me, they end it. But what they don't understand is that when they kill me, it just explodes. See, I've already overcome. I've already won. How did he win? When he talks about, I have overcome the world, and this is talked about in several places in Scripture, what does he mean? Well, he's talking primarily about the resurrection. I mean, if you can't beat a guy by killing him, he keeps coming back. You can't win, you know? He said, because I'm going to rise from the dead, that's the last thing in their arsenal. And I've already beat that. You know something? So do we. So do we. And when he says to you and me that you are an overcomer, that's what he's talking about. He said, because you will too rise one day. You too will live on. And you too will win in the end, no matter what. If I'm living in a world where it seems to be crumbling around me and God tells me, 
just to be of good cheer and have peace because you know what? I've got this. And I'm going to take you through this and you may be bloodied and battered, but you'll be okay. And in the end, you're going to win. Then why can't I sit there in the cleft of that rock and be at peace too? Why can't I sit there in Christ like the rock and be calm? See, I believe we can, and I believe this is what God wants from all of us. It's not found in the usual ways. It's only found in Christ. But he wants you to take advantage of that and have faith in that. Now, very quickly, here's the third thing that I want to show you in relation to this question about peace, and that is this, that God's peace is a work of the Holy Spirit in your hearts. This is a supernatural, miraculous work that nobody can explain. Let me take you to another verse. It's also written by John, but it's in 1 John, his first letter to the church. 1 John 4, 4, he says this. He says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Talking about the world. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. What is he saying? He's saying, look. The one that God put into you, after the resurrection, Pentecost came and the Spirit of God came on every believer. After that, the one that is in you is greater than the one who is out there working in the world with all of the evil that is taking place in the world. He said, and I'm telling you that the one in you is greater. And the one in you can bring you and give you peace in the middle of the storm. And this is why the Bible talks about the peace that passes all understanding because who can explain it? Who can explain to an unbeliever that in the middle of my life falling apart, I can still be at peace so much so that it almost looks like I don't care? But I do. So much so that I can lose a loved one and I don't seem to grieve like you. I do. But it's different. How do I explain this peace that passes all understanding? Well, there's only one way. This is a miraculous work of God through His Spirit working in the heart of the believer that nobody can explain. But it is there, and it is a blessing from God. It really is. This peace is not something that you can manufacture or achieve by getting rid of things in your life that would bring you peace That's not it. You can have everything you want or need in this life and still be in turmoil inside. But God says, I will give you inside a peace that nobody else understands. But it's there. It's there. It's my my gift to you. I give it to you. Here's number four. God's peace comes from doing God's will in the middle of the storms. In other words, the peace that he's talking about, this overcoming the world and being at rest in the middle of the turmoil, is yours. And by doing the will of God in the middle of the storm, by doing what God expects you to do and living the way he wants you to do in faith in the middle of the storm, the result of that is peace. Now look at this verse. This one we go to Revelation. Now in Revelation, let me set the stage for you, okay? This is the end 
Revelation is talking about after it's all said and done, what takes place during the tribulation and the coming of Christ and so forth. And here we are in the book of Revelation. And John is up there in heaven now. He's been drawn up into heaven. He's seeing all of this in imagery. And the angel is talking to him and explaining things to him. And he's recording. And the text says that the devil is defeated, that he's cast down to heaven, from heaven to earth with all of his henchmen. And the angel then says to him, talking about the believers now who are alive during the tribulation, who have come to Christ, who have shared the gospel, who have done the work in the most horrific circumstances that man has ever known. Here's what he says. They triumphed. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. Now John's sitting there and he's looking at this and he's thinking, my gosh, how? In the, in the chaos of the world falling literally apart, they are sharing the gospel of Christ and people are being saved and that's what triumphed. You know in the King James what it says? It says they overcame. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. The gospel about Jesus dying on the cross. People are receiving it. People are being forgiven and saved in the middle of the chaos. In the word of their testimony. These people were walking with God and honoring God in the middle of chaos. And they had perfect peace. It says here they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. Wow. Sometimes I think we get into the middle of the problems of life. We get into wrapped up in all the political mess and all the decisions, the politics of it and divisions of it and all of this stuff that's going on with life and we begin to lose sight of what's important. And we think sometimes that if the right person's in office or if we we vote the right way that things will change, and they will to some degree. But the only thing that's going to change the world is the gospel, the message of the blood of Christ, and your testimony of what he's done for you. And you'll tower back at times because we all do because you think that it's more important for you to keep the peace than to step up. And God says to you and me, I'll take care of the peace. You just need to step up. And the peace that I give you will be something you can't explain. But it will give you boldness and courage. And no matter what's going on in the world, if you just proclaim the message in the power of the Holy Spirit and you leave the results to me, I'll take care of the world. You just do what I've called you to do. So God's peace is available, and it comes also by doing the will of God in the middle of the storm. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit being peace. There's something that happens in the workings of our soul with the Spirit of God that when we do the things or when we walk with God and are are actively involved in ministry and doing the things that God leads you to do, 
in reaching out to people with the message of the blood of Christ and the word of your testimony, God overwhelms you with peace. And it comes from within. Let me just quickly just take a minute to review and to kind of tie it all together, okay? To experience God's peace. There are four things that I've drawn out of here, okay? Here they are. You need to realize that to have peace doesn't mean that you won't have problems. So understand that, that the peace of God can be yours in the middle of the world going to hell in a handbasket. It doesn't matter, okay? And secondly, the peace is not found in the usual ways, not the things that you think are going to give you peace. They're found in Christ as a believer, claiming the promises that God has given you, standing on those promises. It is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. You can't manufacture it. You can't fake it. God gives it to you. It's all Him. And so you accept it that way. You pray for that and you do what God wants. And as you are a faithful witness doing what God has called you to do, God just fills you with peace. There, there's no shortcut to this. But I want you to understand that no matter how bad things get in the world, no matter how bad COVID gets or how many people die, no matter what the politicians in Washington do, no matter what re- freedoms you may lose, whether it be freedom of speech or religion or whatever, because we look at things happening in the world and we see what's getting ready to occur. That's okay. God's still on the throne. And God still gives you peace in the middle of it because you're his and he'll never forsake you. But you and I have a responsibility to be faithful. To be faithful to do what God has called us to do. Proclaim the blood of the lamb and be a faithful witness. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and Lord, we are overwhelmed with joy just to think that no matter what happens in the world, we've already overcome the world in you. And Father, we may experience difficult times and go through situations that are unpleasant. But Father, we know that you're in control. We know that we have the power within us, the power of the Holy Spirit, to experience victory and joy and peace And Father, I know that there's work out there for us to do and we get discouraged sometimes, but I pray for every one of us that, Father, you would help us not to be looking at the problems, but to be looking at you. And just like that dove in the painting, as we sit in our rock, our Savior, that we'll have peace. Father, we pray for that. In Jesus' name, amen.